the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Verses 1 to 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Well, would you pray with me as we consider these familiar words? Almighty God, we ask that as we think about the birth of Jesus Christ, the only Savior the world can ever know, as we consider the context in which Jesus was born, as we see that it was a political context, a context of taxation and registration and Caesars and governments, a context in which there was great difficulty and strife, a context in which there was great humiliation. We see that according to your great glory, O Lord, you nevertheless provided a Savior, a Savior who came in the most unlikely of ways, And yet that Savior, that man, was born. Born so that he could be a true substitute for human beings like us. He could be our substitute, even then living a life as a substitute. Even dying as a substitute. And now raised from the dead as a substitute. Even interceding for us as a substitute so that all who believe in Him trust in His substitution. We all trust in Him in order that we may stand before You, a holy God. We thank You for the provision even of this miracle baby and for the miraculous birth that is testified in Your most holy Word. O Lord, cause us to believe us, forgive us for our unbelief, And fill us with wonder as we consider these things. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look in your Bibles, the Bible's in your pew. Luke chapter 2, continuing on. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8 down through verse 20. Reading the very Word of God. God's Word. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, 
Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. (coughs) When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds, Return, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. May God add His blessing to the reading of His Word. Would you pray with me now? Almighty God, these holy and special and mysterious things, these things have been revealed to us. This mystery has been uncovered to us, even as you have communicated it to us by your word. Just as it had been told them, now it has been told to us. Lord, with reverence and awe, we come to see what you would have for us to know. We pray that your word and your spirit would break through all of our distractions, would break through all of the confusion, would break through all of the unbelief, and that in a deep and powerful and mysterious way, you would actually come and visit us in a special way by your Spirit so that then we would see and wonder at what child is this, Ah, it is more than a child. It is the man Christ Jesus. It is the only Savior we can ever know. O Lord, bring him to us, even by the Spirit in testimony, that we would believe on him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to focus this evening on the angel's announcement. There are many announcements by angels in the birth narratives, but I want to focus on the angel's announcement to the shepherds. It's one announcement, but within it, I believe, are three reminders. And and these reminders are, I think, what we all need to hear. It, It is... These are are reminders of things that are, on the one hand, beyond nature. 
They are also truly good. And thirdly, they are delightfully joyful. So they're beyond nature, truly good, and delightfully joyful. Now, I think if you've come here this evening, you probably need these reminders. I don't know how your afternoon went. Maybe it was busy. Maybe you had a nap. I had a little nap. I need, I need, I'm, a, I, I'm a napper now. I need naps in the afternoon. I'm getting to that age. But chances are, even on this Lord's Day rest, it was busy. You're busy with things. And in that busyness now, and the busyness of tomorrow, of Christmas morning, into all of that busyness, we can kind of forget what it's all about. You might know the stories. You know this story. You've heard the kids do the Christmas concert with this story. You can probably, you know the way the words work. You can, you can basically have it memorized. You can recite it better than I can read it. So, so you know all of this stuff. You know the language. You've, you've heard sermon after sermon after sermon every Christmas throughout the years. And so you might even be here feeling a little bit impatient for me to get this over with because you've got stuff to do. You've got places to be. But I can guarantee you, you need to be reminded of these truths. You need to be reminded of them because the curse of our world is the curse of man's amnesia. We are cursed with forgetting. We forget what is true. We forget who is true. And we forget even God Himself. We can forget these things. And so this first reminder is actually the announcement itself. It is the announcement of an angel. Now just stop for a minute and just think, what is the level of your belief in angels? Like, like do, I mean, even if I ask that, it starts sounding a little bit weird, maybe. We know that people these days, just even in the last month, a lot of people are, are talking about unidentified flying objects, UFOs. I mean, it's, it's crazy, it seems like. I mean, Tucker Carlson. He's talking about the possibility of UFOs. Uh, there was a U.S. survey that says 57% of Americans believe that aliens exist. I mean, that's maybe Americans. I don't know how bad we are in Canada, but I mean, maybe we're all crazy. But what about angels? Do we believe that there are beings outside of the animal kingdom, outside of the human race, who nevertheless could exist for the purpose of serving God and glorifying Him for eternity? Like, do we actually believe that such beings could exist? Do we believe that there could be fallen beings of that type who then are cursed and damned along with Satan, the father of lies? Now, if you're here and you're, you know, many of you, maybe, maybe this is the first time you're here, maybe you're a, you're a practical person. You're one of those people. You're, you're very practical. You deal with reality. 
And when I, as soon as we talk about angels, you're, you're struggling. You're struggling. You're trying to think of, well, what's the psychological, you know, what, what's the psychology behind someone thinking that there's, there's an angel? Now, you might be someone who deals in numbers. You know, the numbers say profit or loss, or, you know, it's not both. You, you, you look at the scoreboard and it says win or loss. It's not both. You, the herd says, well, there's bulls and there's cows. They're not both. You know, they got to be one or the other. The baby is born a boy or a girl. It's not both. You're a practical person. How can there be, in a, in a merely material, rational world, how can there be angels? And these herdsmen, these, these shepherds in southern Judea, they would have been about an, you know, I would say about an hour's drive northeast of Gaza, now that we all know where Gaza is. These guys were practical men. As we read in verse 8, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now fear is the normal response, the logical response to angels. These are not the pudgy babies, you know, with rosy cheeks and white wings. These are terrifying figures. And these kinds of guys, guys that work with animals, they're not easily scared. And yet, they are in fear. But you have to realize the angels, sometimes described as the seraphim, the seraphim mean, literally means the burning ones. The ones who are on fire. They are movable and they are combusting and yet they're not completely consumed. And you recall how in the sixth chapter of Isaiah, there are angels around the throne of God who are literally on fire. And yet they have this ceaseless activity of praise and worship to the true God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And they are on fire because they are near to God. So, when an angel appears, everyone would be terrified of being vaporized by these guys and their blazing, blinding combustion. That is the terror of angels even though they're good. Now, personally, I, I mean, just the way I am, it's a struggle for me to believe in angels. And that's why I have to trust the testimony of the Scriptures to tell me what others have experienced and testified to. And so when you then have the Scriptures, this testimony, it's going to help you if you're a struggler. If you're struggling to believe it here this evening. We are so numbed, as I said this morning, we're so numbed by secularism that belief is hard. Believing in what God is able to do. We are numbed by the natural and so we have difficulty believing in the supernatural. 
And I'll tell you, if you cannot believe in angels, you won't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, this angel was not a UFO, but this being had the glory of the Lord shining around him. And these practical shepherds were filled with great fear. Now, it reminds me, I I was just thinking of a a story of, of a very practical person, her experience. Her name was Sarah Edwards. She's the wife of Jonathan Edwards, who was a very well-known preacher. But Sarah Edwards was one of those people. They were a, she was a practical person. She didn't get emotional. She was very down to business, very organized. She didn't exaggerate. Very, Everything's very cut and dried. And yet... She had an encounter with God where she believed in God and God acted upon her in such a way that she was overwhelmed, overwhelmed with a supernatural sense of the love of God. So even if you're a practical person here tonight and you think, well, yeah, I mean, that's... For, that's that's, that's the opiate of the masses. This is for other people. I can see through this. There's explanations for this. You know, this is a nice myth. Nice story for the kids. No, no, no. This is for you. If you're a practical person, the supernatural work of God is for you. Just as an angel spoke to Mary, an angel spoke to Joseph, now an angel speaks to these strangers, these local boys, these herdsmen, these guys who are riding fence, riding herd. And what did the angel say to these very practical men who were afraid? Verse 10, you see it there. The angel said to them, Fear not. Fear not. The angel had to say fear not because they were afraid. You see, God may actually frighten you supernaturally, but He will also comfort you supernaturally. It is the case that when God is at work in your life, He will let you be awakened by fear in order to comfort you with peace. That's the first reminder in our ever so practical age. We have to remember that God is able to do a supernatural work. He can do it in your life. Bring a supernatural power to change things in your life, even to save you. He can transfer you from the kingdom of darkness and in a moment, a miraculous moment, transfer you into the kingdom of light the kingdom of His own beloved Son. He can do it just like that because He can act supernaturally. And so that's the first reminder is that at Christmas, as at every time, but at Christmas, this is a supernatural message. It is a supernatural message and is right here for each of us with all of our practical, atheistical, and secularist tendencies. It's a supernatural message. But it's also, secondly, 
It is an announcement of goodness, something we definitely need to be reminded of. We have to remember what the angel said. He said, fear not, but why? Why shouldn't you fear? Maybe you should be afraid. Why would he say fear not? He says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. Good news. It's good. Now, you, you might, you know, your church goer, maybe you pick up on this phrase, good news. You might be in church enough to know this refers to what the Bible and what Christians call the gospel. The gospel is the euangelion, the good news. But even there, I think familiarity breeds contempt. And we can forget what kind of news this is. It is good news. It is It is news about which Paul said, I am not ashamed of the good news, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed for faith unto faith, just as it is written, the just or righteous shall live by faith. And all you got to do then is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and His righteousness is credited to your account. You can stand before God as a righteous one. It's an amazing thing. It is a type of news that is inherently good. This is not news that is fake. This is not news that is depressing. It's not news that's been manipulated. It's not news that's defiling. That's why I find I can't hardly watch the news. It's not just depressing, it's defiling. There's a lot of news like that today. You don't know if the news today is meant to crush your spirit or intoxicate your mind. That's the way the news is. But this is good news. It is good. That means that the message of the angel at Christmas is moral. It is moral. It is a moral message. It is a message that speaks in clear moral categories. There is right and wrong. There is true and false. There is good and bad. This is not morally bad news, but morally good news. Now today, I think, our society has almost entirely lost its ability to admit that there are clear moral categories about everything. So today, people are paralyzed to say that what happened on October 7th to moms and dads and boys and girls and grandmas and grandpas was morally bad. That it was wicked. That it was evil. People are having a hard time coming out and saying that the terrorist attack that Hamas took on Israelite folks in Israel, that it was evil. And you got people flying flags over Deerfoot, celebrating the evil. People don't want to say it's evil. It's evil. Likewise, our Prime Minister this week said in an interview that fathers, as head of the household, 
was a bad thing, not a good thing. He's got his morality completely upside down. Today, it's become fashionable to think that anything connected to Christianity is bad. Now, we just can't let the confusion of this age infect us. We have to assert what the angel said. He brought good news. It's good news. It was undeniably good. It was good. It was good whether the shepherds believed it or not. And this good news is good for you and you and all of you. It's good for you whether you admit it or not. It is still good. So are you struggling to find good on the earth? I know we're supposed to kind of you're supposed to pump yourself up at Christmas and kind of be happy, right? And yet, you know, you look at the news, you follow the social media, you see what's going on, and it's just like, oh, such a downer. You're looking, for, is there good on the earth? Well, then you need to take this reminder of the goodness of the good news. The good news abides in its goodness. It is still good. It is still good. The gospel is revealed in the virgin birth. It is revealed as good, and it is a promise then of a true Savior who can save us from our sins. But this isn't it. This isn't the only thing. Because thirdly, there is another reminder in this announcement. It is the reminder that that's not just supernatural. It is not just the moral reminder of what is good. It is a reminder of what is truly delightful. It's truly delightful. It's what is truly happy. What is truly joyful. And, and I, I don't know about you, but I, I, think, that, I, I think that preaches. I, I think we're so desperate for joy. We're so discouraged. We're so cynical. We're so sad. We're desperate for joy. And the angel said, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Great joy. You see, this is great joy. This is not mere positive facts, although they are positive and they are facts. This is not mere correct information, although it is correct and it is information. This is a message that is not only good, but it's good for you. It's good for you. It is good for your soul. It is good and it does good. It is good and it does good down to the depths of your very being. And when something does you good, how do you feel? You're happy. You're happy. It's good and it does good, and then you're happy. You're glad. You have joy down deep in your heart. And then it triggers then the kids' song that I'm not going to sing. And we think, oh, well, it's quaint, you know, the kids were... Yeah, well, where's your joy, cynical guy? Right? We're so sour and cynical. 
hear these kids singing about joy deep down in their heart. This is a, we, we know there is a drudgery to working life, whether for the sheep watchers here or the salary earner now. The concept of joy can seem so very foreign to us. And you may know people, you may know them, who are, who are looking for happiness at this time of year. And so they are going to escape into the vices that are online or offline. And so you see a lot of that of people escaping to try to find happiness, trying to find pleasure, but they don't have any joy. They don't have any joy. We need to be reminded of joy. Don Carson commenting on Paul's biblical command in his letter to rejoice always says this, God knows, and Paul knows, that such exhortations have to be here because we so quickly overlook the spectacular blessings we've received because of Christ on the cross. We have to be reminded to rejoice because we forget. We need to be reminded here. We need to be reminded of this great joy that is for all the people's announced to us in the Bible, in Luke 2. That's what we need. But why? Why? Why is it supernatural? Why is it good? Why is it a great joy for all the peoples? Why? Verse 11. It says there, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Why supernatural? Why good? Why a great joy? It's because a Savior, a Savior is exactly what we need. We need a Savior. We need a Savior who can save us from our sins. We need a Savior who can save us from God. We need God to save us from His own just sentencing against us. We need a Savior, and to have a Savior provided, the one who is provided supernaturally, the one who, pro- who is provided, who is a good Savior, the one who is good in every category, the one who is good and totally satisfies the law, the one who is good and the one who can deliver us, who can save us. Oh, what relief! I get great joy. I get deliverance. That's what we get. We need a supernatural Savior. We need a good Savior. And we need a Savior who brings this great joy. It's only that prophesied anointed one. That's what the word Christ means. The Messiah, the the anointed one. He was prophesied. He was the one The only one to be that supernatural Savior. And in this case, of course, God the Son taking on human flesh. The the incarnate Son, as we say, living purely, righteously, and obediently makes Him then the epitome of goodness. He is a supernatural Savior, but He's also the good one. And that's what we need. His death in the place of sinners from every tribe 
tongue, and nation. It brings atonement for the sin guilt that makes people live in fear of the terror of the wrath of God. And so when you have that atonement, when you have that atonement, and you are told that there is therefore now no condemnation, when you're told that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, then you can't help but be happy. You can't help it. Then it's not about churchy church stuff. It's not about religion. It's about someone who took away my condemnation and delivered me. And oh yes, what relief. I rejoice at this goodness. That is what it is. If you call it religion, that's fine. But it is about then that relief and that salvation and that deliverance and that forgiveness. It's not about churchiness, coming to church, being in a sociological group. It's none of those things. You can't help but be happy. You can't help but rejoice. You can't help but have joy deep down in your heart. And you know what? When you have that joy deep down in your heart as a result of all that, it's actually deeper than your sorrow. Because your sorrow will be there, but the joy is deeper. It's in the bottom. What did Corey Ten Boom say? There is no pit too deep that he is not deeper still. And that's where the joy is. You might be sad here at Christmas. Maybe this is the first Christmas without a loved one. It's a Christmas that's a reminder of some great loss that you've gone through. And you're so sad. You're supposed to be happy. And you're so sad. But you can have joy. A joy that's deeper than your sadness. And it's the joy of having your sins forgiven. It's the joy of this good, good news. This supernatural good news. Friends, this is it. This is the message. It's a message that is super good. It's super good. It's morally good, and it does you good. It does you good. It's, it's supernatural, it's morally right, and it brings joy to the world for all who will embrace it. And so that's all I asked tonight. It's my Christmas wish that each soul here would consider with honesty and openness and transparency would consider this supernatural message, would look upon the goodness of this good news and realize it is good for you to know that your sins may be forgiven and that you may have the righteousness of Christ credited to your account so that you can stand with an open face before God and not fear because you are accepted in the Beloved. And I'll tell you what, if you have that, if you have that kind of confidence, it doesn't matter what sorrows come. Your joy is deeper than all of that, for you are accepted by God. And I pray that for each soul here, you would know and believe that.
that it would be embraced as your own? Are you clear about the good news of the gospel? If so, then rejoice with delight at this great and glorious reminder. Let's pray together. Almighty God, I ask that you would cause the stubborn hearts and the distracted hearts to have their eyes lifted up. Have their eyes lifted to see how good you are and how able you are to bring joy to their life, the joy of having our sins forgiven through the atonement of Jesus Christ and to be welcomed by you, Heavenly Father, by a righteousness credited to us that is not our own. Oh, what a gift. What a gift. May we be reminded of that gift and the beauty and glory of it, even from the angel's announcement. And may we embrace it as we embrace you. Make it so, we pray, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, We'll continue to rejoice. Please stand as we sing joy to the world.